Good evening, Patriots. He's trying out some new music in the intro. Just seeing how that goes. We probably won't keep that one, but it's a nice way to change pace a little bit. And it is Monday, November 14th on the West Coast. And East Coast, you're now on Tuesday, careening into the next day of the week. We're still happily on the beginning. <laughs> if there's happiness about being on the beginning on Mondays these days, it's always Looney Monday, I'm telling you. It never stops. Patriots, before we begin, make sure that uh, you're getting a good night's sleep and the best sheets, pillows, mattresses, comforters out there are all coming from my pillow. And I can tell you I'm really happy to have a full my pillow system from the mattress to the mattress topper to the sheets to the comforter all the way to the pillows, this classic MyPillow, and it is amazing. So check it out. If you head on over to MyPillow.com forward slash Bards, MyPillow.com forward slash Bards, your promo code is Bards, B-A-R-D-S. You will not be disappointed at all. It's wonderful. And you will enjoy getting a great night's sleep. And right now there's probably, of the many things besides prayer, sleep is probably one of the most important things we can have. Because we've got to keep yourself strong, your immune system strong, your health strong. And all of that comes together in a beautiful way with MyPillow products from a great company with a CEO that walks with Jesus. So MyPillow.com forward slash Bards, promo code Bards. So I was kind of just floating around here beforehand. And of course, the news coming out of Arizona now is that They've stolen yet another election. And that's going to send some people into a tailspin. And I'm just going to encourage you not to let it happen. We're dealing truly with the sense of Babylon right now. And this is such a beautiful time if we embrace it to really, really get close with Jesus. And I'm, I do mean everything I say there. Okay. Right now, with a lot of these anxieties that we're feeling, is it's a process that we have to unburden our hearts. And with that, we have prayer and we have the incredible relationship with Father. And with doing so, those burdens will be lifted if we ask and if we seek to have them lifted. Don't let yourself fall into the trap of feeling like you can't leave the pain of the past. It's... It's pretty much, these are pretty much like ships we build and that we choose to stay upon. I'm not going to minimize pain and I'm not going to minimize the anger or the things that come about from a very difficult time we're in. People have lost family members. People have been separated from family. I mean, when I say lost, it's either there's emotional separations and there's physical death. There's a lot of consequences. And so I'm going to take the liberty, which I think you'll forgive me for, because I'm not, I haven't asked. I typically ask on these stories before I share one, but because Duncan is family, I want to share a story that he gave to me today. And like I said, I think he'll be okay with it. Because you all know that his father has, is in the hospital right now. 
And in the midst of all this difficulty and many things happening, and I don't know how much Duncan has shared on his own shows, but there's a lot to that place. And his father is healing, but to quote Duncan, he's a stubborn old Scot. And that's why Duncan still wears his kilt, probably. But that's another story. And so Duncan shared something with me today, and I just really reflected on how profound father is. And that's why I wanted to share it, and I, and I, I think Duncan will be okay with it. And if not, then we'll pray it through. But here's the deal, because this is a beautiful story. When you have a father that's kind of stubborn, it's hard to get close. And I, from the type that he shared with me, there's he loves his dad, but there's a intimacy and closeness that sometimes is lacking due to kind of the hard and stubborn nature of a character of his dad. And so his dad was listening to my show, Bards FM, the other night. And the pace at which I'm going, he's having his cognitive capacities right now are a little bit slower due to his fall and his age. He understands, but things moving quickly has a hard time understanding. And so he said to Duncan, he said, I tried to listen to Scott's show, and it was hard for me to understand it all because it was moving so quickly. And then he told Duncan this. He said, but you know what? He says, now you're the only one who I can trust in telling me what's going on in the world. You know, it really brought me tears to my eyes because it's such a beautiful event that just happened right there. And this is how God really works, is that here intimacy and and a closeness comes out of a tragedy or trauma. And in the so doing, it's allowing a son and a father to get closer and to share. And Duncan's been talking to him all day. And that's just such a beautiful story of healing. So it's really something that I think we need to remember that in the midst of all of this craziness, and there is a lot, and there's some craziness that is just not going to be fixed by us. But we really can't forget how powerful God's love is and how great it is and how he will work so many different ways to heal the wounds. It's a great quote. God comforts the disturbed and disturbs the comfortable. I just love that. And I really think that's at the core of so much of what we're facing now. It's funny, I got some news on two different family members tonight, both of which are liberal, both of which are different parts of the family, both of which have now separated from the family in anger. And I'm not surprised. And it's not that uh, we any of us should be surprised in this point. We could point fingers at saying, well, it's the vax, which I'm, <laughs> if there's anybody in the world that probably would do that, that would be number one on my list, me. But I'm actually going to give some grace here and not do that. But more importantly, what's happening is in this world that we're in, there's a tremendous amount of shaking going on. And the towers are falling, the structure of this, of this matrix that we're in, which is truly Babylonian, 
is crumbling. And truth has an amazing way of working itself in people's minds and in their hearts. Because when you speak truth, you don't have to speak truth hostily. And if you expect, if you go in speaking truth with expectations that somehow you're going to shake somebody out of their coma, I think the expectation itself is misguided. We have to have the patience of understanding that we're asked to love and forgive as fundamentals. And as we're approaching that with that sort of strength within us, and it is strength, it's incredible strength. And the thing is that you can find the greatest passion and compassion in people that are the mightiest of warriors. Unfortunately, the way that we translate love in this world is that we translate it in corporal and physical and intimate physical, and it's those are all the wrong perspectives on it. I've said before, at least I've said to friends of mine, I wish we could redefine the word or give us another word than love. We, we use things like agape love and so forth, but it really doesn't resonate well because we don't have a true context of that. So we're, we're going to use the word love. Unfortunately, in this... In the male side of our culture, that's weakness. It's kind of like saying the bride of Christ and people go, ugh, I'm not gay. And it has nothing to do with any of that. But that's unfortunately the, the way that what's happened to our words and how badly they've become corrupted in language. But I digress. The, the, the point that I was getting at earlier is that when we're encountering people and really expressing from that place of a forgiving and loving heart, we don't know the impact we're going to make, but truth is that is the greatest weapon in this war right now. It is truly a, a powerful weapon that cuts through everything and sits in there like it sits at, on the on the bottom of a ship or on its on its rudder or on its keel even and it starts to force that ship to do a change a direction and that's we can prove that neurologically as we start to look at how words work in the subconscious. And right now that's happening across the board with everyone we want to call leftist or liberal, which by the way, just a side note here. And I, cause I was, I called Brad Cummings today just to get a clarity on something. And I said, okay, so who sits on the left hand of God? We know that Christ is on the right hand of God, but who's on the left hand of God? And he, he said, it doesn't say in, the, in Scripture. And I said, okay, I'm just verifying. But I do find this interesting, and I, I just want to point this out. We use this term right and left, and I personally feel that it's intentional because I think there's a scriptural relationship to the right, and I haven't finished this exploration yet, but I'm almost willing to bet when I dig deep into the Luciferian craziness, there's going to be a reference to something on the left hand of God. I really kind of am tired of the bipolarization of this stuff. And even though it's not going to be completely erased from my lexicon going forward, I'm becoming increasingly conscious of the fact that we're playing into this game of doing left and right when in fact it's, and it's an elite Bruce group of Luciferian whores that are running this world that are manipulating a mass of people in different capacities, both 
on what we would call the right and the left and playing both ends to the middle as they laugh at the stupidity of humanity. And that's where our mission really doesn't change at all, whether it's a fascist government or whether it's a corporatocracy, which is what we currently have, or whether it's a republic. That mission's always going to be the same because that mission is about Jesus. And that mission is about bringing that love of Jesus everywhere we can. That doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I mean, if, if all of a sudden they announce to us and go, okay, the Constitution's dead and we're now going to rise up and we're going to be a great communist socialist empire and you all are going to wear Mao uniforms, you, you, and I, you and I all know this is not going to fly, but nonetheless, the mission of what we are doing in Jesus doesn't change. It might get a little more difficult, but it doesn't change. And we've been pretty conveniently lodged in over here in this world where even the politics of crazy don't really touch us in the way that our country is still pretty center and to the right as a conservative base. Most of what makes the news are the loud and ugly of that Luciferian side. And they're right now running a lot of the institutions. It's the corruptness, it's the sexual depravity that drives them. And I don't know how that, I really can't get around the way they think, and I'm not sure I want to because I'd probably end up with permanent scarring if I really got into that too deep. But nonetheless, there's a a illogic of logic that they apply to this that justifies almost everything. Truth dislodges that. They can try all they want, but at the end of the end of the day, truth dislodges that. And as it becomes unhinged from its grounding, their lies, that is, and as truth starts to step in, you're going to see an increasing amount of challenges to the stability of what we consider to be normal, and even from the stability of what they call the new normal. Remember, in the stages of grief, which we're really in right now, and we're going through a five stages of grief period, in my opinion, and we probably could, we probably could pretty much map out just about everything that goes on in this world by looking at the five stages of grief, and meaning like where are we in the map of the directions of where we're going and the counter moves to bring us back. Most of us have had to already work through most of these processes to get become awake, even if it doesn't matter politically what side of the fence you're on. The first one is denial. The second one is anger. Then there's bargaining, depression, and acceptance. So there's still some, that's still racking a lot of people's head when you get into the relationship to politicians. The latest one is DeSantis. You know, we're going through a denial of like, no, he, he couldn't possibly be anything but a great guy. And it's like, okay, you know, maybe I'm not going to, the jury's out on that. But as we move through this, if it does change, it's going to go through anger at anybody that challenges it otherwise. And since I'm challenging it, I tend to see the anger part of it. And then you're going to get bargaining, which is going to be con- kind of like, well, Maybe maybe some, but not all. And, and trying to find that middle ground to where you can still hang on to a little bit of what you had and bargain your way into where you are. And then finally, 
when you face the true reality of it all, it's depression. And that's where you just get, people get smacked down. And this is a dangerous area in these areas here. Denial is pretty easy to deal with. It's just don't show up for Christmas. Anger, that tends to manifest, can get very violent. And depending on how deep the lie is, it's being dislodged. Bargaining tends to be this, what I would call false friendship or false offerings of peace because there's going to be this attempt of let me offer something, but I'm still going to hang on to my anger. I'm still going to hang on to my hatred. I'm still going to hang on to what I was holding on before, whatever those things are. I'm still going to hang on to it, but I'm going to extend a hand of peace to you because I, I want you to accept me as I am as, and even though my structure is a complete lie, I don't want to give it all up because if I do that, then I have to admit that I was wrong. And then depression sets in when you when the realization settles in that everything that you are trying to defend is just wrong. That's the grief part and the depression part of grief, I should say. And that's when people just feel like, oh, there's nothing. I, I got to give up. And that's where suicides pop in right there. And stupid things like, active shooter events when people are like, fine, I'll just take everybody out with me when I go because this is a stupid world. And it, this is, these are particularly dangerous with people that have no underpinnings in a relationship with the Lord. And then comes acceptance. And acceptance is just basically letting go of where you were to step into where this new reality is. What's missing if we aren't there to provide between depression and acceptance is this relationship with Jesus that gives you not only the strength to get through the difficult point, but then in the acceptance of understanding that there's really something fantastic out here to guide you through this in this relationship with Christ. Otherwise you're just accepting a new reality that has again, just as much vulnerability as before because there's no underpinnings of a relationship in Jesus. Our world is still in a place where it winces, not, not as much as it used to, but our country is still in a place where it winces when you bring up things like, do you have a relationship with Jesus? And, and it's kind of like, oh, you're one of those. Not entirely, but we're seeing that less, I will say that, but it's still there. But I will say this. I mean, I got some news tonight as well on another family member which was very interesting news because they're seeking and longing to find a church. That's knowing this family member, if you, if I, if you knew who I was talking about, or I should say knew them as I know them, that's a profound shift. And they're not in the, I'm awake to the world. Like the, the truth movement is it's more about, I'm just feeling the weight of the world on me. And I need, and there's a homing pigeon that's, or a homing signal that's kicked in, I believe, just guiding them to that relationship with the Lord. I think we're all wired for that. And so what happens is if we aren't, when we get to that point of these five stages of, of grief and we don't get, and we get to acceptance and we don't have a direction or someone to say, Hey, how about this? there's a good chance that there's an opportunity that'll miss and people may easily slip back into depression. And I think arguably, I think that happens a lot. 
I'm not giving you the answer. Like there's no magic ticket here to solve all the world's problem of depression. But I do think there's a lot to that depression issue that relates to the acceptance and understanding that acceptance, if it's matched with a relationship in Jesus, is truly profound and will literally lift us up and heal us. I say all that because I think it comes back to a really important point, and it's a very salient point, is that in the midst of all of our daily effort, and we do have an enemy, and it is an aggressive enemy, and it is on the march, and we have to have the strength and resolve and will to stand up to it and ultimately fight it in many ways. But we can't miss that greater love and compassionate piece of loving thy neighbor. It's easy to mark people off and say, well, they don't, they're not a believer in Jesus. Now, I, I'm going to, I don't know if he's still in chat. I think he is because he was here earlier, but I am going to call out somebody here who was in chat. And I mentioned him before, but just because I've come to know this man in the depth of who he is, and that's our, our in-house mod bear. This is an individual who... I truly consider a brother in Christ. And I use him because I've, we've had so many discussions over the last couple of years, and I've seen him fight ferociously for things that he's very deeply passionate of. And I've equally seen a, I've seen a real warrior in him, and I know there's a real warrior that I would gladly walk in any battlefield with. And I know that. But I also know that I've seen him step in and intervene with a compassionate heart in the most difficult of circumstances. There was an incident that happened the other day with one of our people in Bard's Nation. No names, no details. Just You're going to have to hear it this way. He spent over five hours on the phone with this individual talking of God and the relationship with Jesus and the importance of healing this person. I have the most immense criticism, criticism to myself, I should say, because I couldn't have given that five, not the way he did. And I, I have the most immense respect for Bear, for what he's done and what he continues to do for everybody here. And so this is a compliment to him, but it's equally something, and I, and I know this is sometimes a little bit awkward for people because it's kind of like, oh, you know, Bear's special. Well, yeah, he is. He's special in God's eyes as we are all special, and Bear is just following the path of the Lord. And he's using the powers of love and the strength of a warrior to understand that there's places where we have to be, that we have to walk in and have deep compassion. I have amazing conversations with him, and I respect these conversations, and we don't agree on everything. I was going to say this, okay? Bear and I have our differences once in a while. That's cool. That's called being human. But it is an important point really to, to highlight the importance of having the grace and the empathy for who we're dealing with, even difficult people. I also know this about Bear, that if we come to an agreement that we have to draw a line on something, he'll be the first one on that battle line to do that. See, that's, that's in a nutshell what we've been talking about for the last couple of weeks in the sense of forgiveness and love as one of our two, two of our greatest weapons, it's not weakness, 
But it is that walk in this world that is so important because there are so many out here that are, we are, can be very quickly judgmental of. And as we judge quickly, we may lose a critical opportunity to bring someone back to Father God. When you spend some time doing that, and, we, we, and when we all become cognizant of that, we tend to temper our reactions, and we tend to focus instead on that greater love that God has for all of us. And though we can't comprehend, I don't think any of us can comprehend the magnitude of love that Father God has for his children, the magnitude of grace he extends. At the same time, just getting a touch of it it is really profound. Now, I'm going to share a story of my own, and and it's just my own testimony for the last two weeks. This last two weeks in talking about the process of forgiveness and love and anger and justice and accountability, it's been heavy. A lot of the the response that I've had on many different channels, I mean, here, email, other places, it's been a heavy conversation. And I've spent literally hours outside of the podcast on the phone with a lot of different people because Father God put it on my heart over two, around two weeks ago to begin this journey and this process. And it's interesting where we've arrived because we've arrived at a point now where it's, it's evidently very clear that this is a crucible moment for our nation, that we have to get this down. And I don't know that all of a sudden the time is up and if we don't get it, all that, all that is don't get it are going to be cast out into the lake of fire and we're going to be sitting up here eating brownies and looking at them. That's not that one. I'm not getting at that sort of snarky view. I'm just saying that there's a prescient moment. We are at a, we are at a precipice, a, a crucible moment for the nation that we need to start really processing this through because there's a lot of pain, a lot of anger, and a lot of vengeance in people's hearts. So I finished last night's show, and I'd come out of a really enjoyable weekend, and I, I enjoyed doing last night's show, but as I left the show, I just felt totally exhausted. And I, I just, I wrote to... A friend of mine and I said, you know, I just finished the show tonight and I said, I'm, I'm just feeling the weight of it all after this 10 days or so of just doing this almost every night. And I think that I've gotten about as far as I can go with this, but I need to take this to prayer because I'm, it's weighing heavy on me. There's something just off and it just feels like I'm still grading uphill on certain things and I get it in my heart but I think it's hard for people to grasp. So I took it to prayer. And this morning, I mean, Father's been waking me up around 4 a.m. to 4.30 every day to get up and pray, and I pray for about an hour, hour and a half. And this morning, I just brought it to Father, and I said, listen, you know, I, I really am grateful that you've allowed me to speak on this topic, and it was difficult for me because I intuitively understood it, but I didn't know how to articulate it. And I don't even know if I've done it right the way you would want it. But I'm just telling you that I'm, I'm here now after this period of time, and it just feels heavy. It doesn't feel heavenly. It doesn't feel gracious or graceful. It feels heavy. And this is what I got back. 
And these were what he, this is what he said. Now you understand a little bit about what I face every day and how much love and grace it takes to bring all home. That pretty much broke me right there. Humbling in an amazing way. Because here I've just talked one little tiny topic and one little tiny thing, and I'm tired after 10 days taking it to father. And he's kind of like, yeah, dude, get it now. And I will tell you this. I do get it a bit more. I'm beginning to get, and I'm speaking to this in a very important way because we talk a lot of platitudes and we talk a lot of things, but when we begin to minister it and talk it like on a show and share it and take the feedback and go out on a limb, which this was one for me. I'm not going to kid you. Because this is a topic that was, in its timing, is probably one of the more difficult things you could bring right now and throw a grenade in the middle of the party and go, hey, folks, yeah, well, you know, we're right in the middle of a war, and we've got a bunch of people dropping dead and from the vax, and I'm going to talk to you about forgiveness. And that's pretty much how this week started, This that last 10 days started. And that's a lot of the response was like, are you out of your damn mind? And that's where exactly God wanted me. And so when you walk that path and you walk something that is literally that much uphill and up the mountain, but the only way through that is to trust in him. And these are the journeys I love the most because you know it's going to suck going up and you know it's going to hurt at times and you know it's just going to beat you down but that's how we grow because we're not walking for self we're walking for father and we're not trying to gain glory I I I, trust me there's a lot better topics I could bring in to make everybody happy and dancing around and spreading the shows and talking about how wonderful a show it is. And this probably didn't hit that benchmark, but maybe once in 10 days. And that's okay because that's not where God wanted me. And I knew where he wanted me. And in the process, I learned so much about myself. In the process, he gave me a glimpse of what true grace and love was and what it was required in the process, he also gave me glimpses of the power of this. There was a moment this last week when literally in my prayers and I had this image, this vision given to me. And it was literally me standing in front of a, an army. And I was just given the words by Jesus, watch and stand and watch. And as you watch the power of the kingdom love, level love and grace, I watched an entire army go to their knees in tears, disarming all of them. You can say that's a crazy dream. I don't. Because what I felt and what I experienced in that moment was the true power, the disarming power of forgiveness and love. So powerful that an army that stood there literally 
went to their knees in tears, not because they were weak, but because for the, they were touched by the Holy Spirit and had to face their own hearts. It left them humbled and disarmed. And it's there that I think that we have a great lesson. Like I said, you can say that's just a dream. That's cool. It's just a dream. For me, that was a visceral experience that was with Jesus that was given to me to share. And so I just categorize it like that. And you can take it to prayer for yourself. But I think what's so profound about that, and when you really think about it, is it is that powerful. That this fight to beat this enemy is not going to be one based on hatred because that's their playbook. Our fight to beat this enemy is love, forgiveness, and with that we gain the power into the Holy Spirit that is unbelievable. It is, there is a justice in there because we're trusting in God and we're relying on God and God will guide our hand where need be. And sometimes that hand could be Joshua's hand like he did in Jericho. Other times it might be Gideon's hand where he's blowing the shofars and breaking pots of light and the enemy turns on themselves. Other times it could be the hand of Moses leading people out of Egypt. Maybe somewhere else it's the hand of David. Maybe it's the hand of Esther having to do unbelievable things like go into a harem for a year and be there to become the wife of the king to ultimately save her people. These stories repeat over and over as the trust in him and the power of love that leads us to these ultimate victories. And they are powerful victories. And we're in a powerful time that needs powerful victories. So, you know, as we take time with one another, as I was talking about our moderator and friend and brother in Christ, Bear, taking five hours out of his very busy time, five hours away from his family, five hours not to spend time with his wife and his daughter and his son-in-law and his other daughter and their children. I mean, that's a lot of time in a time when time is precious and choosing to give that to somebody else, not because He's looking for recognition, though he's getting it tonight. But because he realizes that there's a chance in there to bring somebody's heart to Jesus. And what they do with that and the lines that we draw and where we go after that, I would say there's a very clear line after that that is where the path has to go or we have to go our separate ways when we spend and we commit time to somebody like that. The seeds were planted, and the forest shall grow, and it may not be on our timeline. And that's where we have to let go of our expectations. And we have to let go of profound expectations because we tend to block ourselves in. This group of people, Bard's Nation, and I say this humbly and very deeply, with love and respect, is a really amazing assembly of people God has brought together. I'm paying attention to a lot of the stories that Duncan is allowing, the testimonies that Duncan's bringing forward of the many people on Bar's Nation, and he's doing this, and that's his commitment. 
And that all of this is about a greater understanding of coming together in fellowship in Jesus. And as we walk in one body, we're not always going to all get along. You know, the kind of the physical metaphor of that is that we can almost guarantee that the knee and the toe and the nose and the finger aren't always going to agree on certain things in that metaphor of the body. But they're still part of one system. And in the end, they still all work together. And there may be completely different perspectives on how we need to approach a problem. That's okay too, because it doesn't mean either one is right or either one is wrong. Keeping in mind that in the prayer for the one body, it's possible the father is leading one person one way and another another, and it doesn't mean we need to be at odds with one another. We do need to learn to listen, though. And that gets back to the whole principle of all of this. As we learn to listen and obey to what we're guided to do, we start to gain something very, very powerful within the kingdom. And it's that, it's that understanding that the fight we're in isn't about us. Our role here isn't about us. There's no I in God, there's no me in God, and there's no but in God. So many times we hear things will say, yes, but, or I am but, me but, none of that. There's none of that in God. And that's because we ultimately, at some point, when we find ourselves in those traps, we have to let go and realize that we are part of the body and we need to listen more. And that's a beautiful thing. And when we do that, I think the rewards start to pour through immensely. And I think as we do that and we start to accept, not question, accept that we are truly worthy in his eyes, but flawed. I'm the first to say that. That's where repentance is so important. But don't keep yourself there. I am, I am, as God said, don't say I am unworthy because you're reflecting God. I am part of him and the reflection of him and the greatness of him. And I will stumble and I will repent to return to be part of him always by the throne. These are just some contemplations and reflections from this last week. It's been an interesting week, almost two for me. And I'm grateful that you're all here. And I'm grateful to have walked this little piece of the journey with you. And I'm grateful for all that God's provided for my own self of looking at this perspective and gaining such a deep appreciation now for what he gives us in terms of forgiveness and love, forgiveness and justice, and forgiveness and accountability. They're important concepts to continue to work through. Don't be sloppy with them. And I would really encourage you to take them to prayer because these are times ahead that are going to try us all. I don't care how you cut it. I don't care if President Trump comes out tomorrow and announces that the military is taking control of everything and blah, blah, blah. I don't know. I don't even know what we're in for tomorrow. Maybe Space Force is going to jump off the moon and land and 
lead us to the glorious fight. I don't have any clue. But it doesn't change anything. That's just kind of like fun action hero stuff. What does change things fundamentally is where we are in our heart. Because every good fight, every good operator, every good soldier, every great warrior understands his heart or her heart before they try to conquer others. Because the purity in the heart of the warrior leads to the ability to be meek when we must be. And meek is not weak. Meek is that place of knowing that you don't need to draw your sword all the time. In fact, meek is that place to know that you could draw your sword and destroy your enemy, but you choose rather not to. Instead, you choose to lead them in their heart rather than cut off their head and kill them. That's true mastery in the moment. And I think that's something if we all seek it through the perspective of the Holy Spirit and that walk as Jesus walks, we'll know when to flip tables. We'll know when it's time to to do a Joshua. We'll know when it's time to do a David as we sometimes all think we want to be. But we're also going to be reminded of Habakkuk and Haggai and Esther because those are also very important places for us to sit. Biggest thing is to walk with the Lord and be active and intimate in your relationship with him at all times. Make it part of your daily step and let take time to talk to Jesus. And if you don't hear, just ask him to talk a little more loudly or in a place you can hear because he's going to respond. Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you for this time tonight, and we're just very blessed as we, by our will and free will, humble ourselves before you. It's just a very enjoyable reflection tonight on some of the great people that we have in this community, in this fellowship. We just ask that you'll continue to bless them, and equally, as we move forward, to continue to bless all of Bard's nation in this walk that we have to enhance our deeper understanding as we grow our faith in that place of forgiveness in the heart, the mightiness of the warrior that that develops, the love of the walk of the warrior, and equally the ferocity of justice when the hand of justice must be crushed down upon. These are times, Father, that many emotions are swirling and it makes difficult some of our steps. And that's, I think, to be expected, and it's also part of being human. So forgive us for our transgressions, and where we truly fall, forgive us for our sins. Yet hear our hearts, because it's a heart of a people that are hurting right now. We hurt hurt for the children. We hurt for the elderly. We hurt for the many that have just been victimized by the lies and the deceit. And we also feel the anger and even in times the rage of those 
that have wielded this deception to intentionally harm others for their own pleasure. So we do pray for justice. And we pray, we taking this all to the court of heaven. As we lift up these prayers to ask that the heaviness is lifted from our hearts, we ask for the strength to forgive. We ask for the power to love where it may seem impossible. And we ask for the justice of heaven to lead us and guide us and restore this nation. And we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. Well, patriots, it's a pretty interesting world we have right now. A lot of crazy characters that sometimes feel like they're right out of a Doctor Who movie or something. And maybe that's what it is. Because there seems to be the strangeness of strange when we look at things almost too perfectly strange. And we know that they're playing us or trying. But the one thing they can't take from us, they can't play us in, is our true relationship with Father God and our true relationship with Jesus. That's in our heart that's ours to have. They can't take it. They can be jealous of it. They can scream and yell all they want. It's never going away. So lean into that as much as you need. Don't be tormented by the politics and craziness. Understand that this other side that's been encapsulated by the temples of Lucifer is going through a lot of torment right now. They're, de- they're dealing with denial and anger and trying to bargain their way out of things and suffering from depression and arriving sometimes at acceptance without even knowing what else to do. That's opportunity for us. It's opportunity for us to step in to offer a helping hand or a compassionate hand or a compassionate heart. We have great stories in this fellowship of Bards Nation great people doing great things within the community and without. We don't have to look very far. And if you're wondering what to do, how to do something, if you're wondering how to help somebody, ultimately it begins by a simple, couple simple things. Pray and listen and love. There's so many great examples of that in this community. And that's what ultimately we need to be doing is to raising people up taking them away from the hands of evil and the hands of oppression and showing them the freedom that only comes through a deep and intimate relationship with our Lord and Savior, Jesus. So keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us, and God always wins. But we are here in this time, in this place, for just such a time as this. We are at war, and it is a spiritual war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, I'll see you tomorrow for Bended Knee. Until then or until the next time. God bless. Good night. Thank you. And out for now. Oh, I want to feel something. I just want to breathe again Dive into the deepest end Oh, I want to feel something